0: Man, I'm so glad you're here. You've gathered to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Maybe just to get out of the house. But you're here and I have a special word for those of you who've been attending Coleman First Baptist for longer than, greater than or equal to a year. Now if you haven't, that's okay. You'll catch up immediately. But this is a special almost programming note because here, actually a few people have even asked me about this. Because you have recognized... That it's January. Okay, some of you already know where I'm going. And you're like, wait a minute. On January 7th, he preached on Psalm 1. And on January 14th, he preached on Psalm 46. And now you're starting to get a little nervous. Like, did I miss it this year? Did he preach on it and I wasn't paying attention? When? In January. It's January, isn't it? When is Pastor Tom going to preach on the topic of stewardship? Giving. Friends, no need to be nervous. Do not fear. You haven't missed it. Today, today is the day we are going to talk about stewardship. Now, if you are new to church or you're new to all this, stewardship is Christian code word for giving. Right? Money, finances, and we talk about it. And it has been my custom now for as long as I've been a pastor, over 20 years. I take January, and January is my month to talk about stewardship. And even if when I say that, right, if there's some ick factor, like, oh, the preacher's preaching about money or talking about giving. Oh, it's going to be so cringy or awkward. Rest assured. I can be cringy and awkward about all topics, not just giving. So it's okay, right? But I hope the one thing, I don't know anybody who's ever changed. I know this about you. You long to be generous. I want to be generous. You want to raise kids that are generous. But the first thing you got to do is remove the shame, remove the the sense of guilt. Here's where we are and where we want to be in generosity. We're not going to get there with shame and guilt. So let me just give a word of introduction about why I preach on stewardship every January. I pick January, and I've done this for as long as I've been a pastor for two reasons. One one is theological and one is practical. The practical reason for preaching on the topic of money, finances, stewardship, giving, the reason for doing that in January, the practical reason is you're, I'm tapping into, for many people, part of their New Year's resolutions, right, I'll lose weight, i to be more healthy, I'm going to eat better, but often finances are a part of that, right? This is the year we're going to save money, we're finally going to get on that budget, we're going to do that, you know, okay, so you're tapping into that uh, and people Want to hear about finances? The the other thing is, right about now is when the credit card bill comes due from Christmas. So if you overindulged in Christmas, oh, I need a sermon on stewardship, right? So there's like a practical element to all this, but the real reason is theological. Jesus said, over and over, Jesus seemed to think that the number one competitor for where your heart is going to naturally gravitate with its trust. Where are you going to go? Where is your, who is your refuge and strength? To use Psalm 46 language. How are you going to know you're okay? Over time, That's supposed to be God. God is our refuge and strength. But Jesus said the number one competitor for your heart's trust, little by little, sometimes year after year, sometimes imperceptibly, we, our trust migrates. And we transfer it from where it's supposed to be in God, and it transfers little by little to money. Jesus says this directly. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, for example, he says, your money and your heart is so intertwined, he goes so far as to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Giving is a reflection of, it is a matter of the heart. And Jesus says these two things are so intertwined, we've got to talk about it. So it would be malpractice for a preacher, if if I'm concerned about people's hearts, if I'm concerned about my own heart, for me to ignore this topic, that would be like a nutritionist being told she can talk to her clients about any topic as a nutritionist, any topic except food. Don't ever bring it up. You would say, well, I can't address the topic of nutrition without talking about food. We can't address the idolatry of our hearts. We can't address generosity without talking about money, about treasure. So I do it every January for that reason. I will say it does always invariably lead to some funny situations. Uh, One Invariably, every time I preach on stewardship, every January, and it is a fact today. I know for a fact that this is the day that uh, it is somebody's first time here at First Baptist. And for some of you, you have, been, you have been inviting this person for like months or even years, and you've been working on them and working on them and praying. They would say yes, and today of all days, they're like, all right, I'll come. And their hesitancy has been, one of the things they've told you is that, I don't, don't want to go. Why? I've been to churches before. I know how these things work. Every time I go to church, all they talk about is money. And you've been like, no, it's different here. I promise. Right? And right now, they are giving you side eyes so hard. Like, are you serious right now? Right. The other thing, th- 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 we, there was this couple. Uh, they uh, they came. They have uh, children and grandchildren that live here in Colman County, and they come visit them. But instead of coming at the holidays, it's their custom. They only come to Colman once a year. They go to Smith Lake and visit g- children and grandchildren. But instead of doing it in the holidays, they told me they, they, they come in January. They come after the holidays every year, and they've done it every year for like four years. And on Sunday morning, they worship with us here at First Baptist. And, and so every year, this is the only time they come, only in January. And they're, after their fourth straight year here, finally, sheepishly, Jackie and I were in the point, and they come up to me, and she was like, you preach on money a lot. <laughs> I was like, I have other sermons, I promise. Come back in the spring. But anyway, so just, here's how we're going to do stewardship today. Here's, a, a, here's how I want to approach it. I want to talk when it comes to generosity. That's really what we're talking about, being a generous person. When it comes to giving, I want to talk about it with this concept. You ready? I don't know if you'll be able to see this from where you are. I want to talk about plastic donuts. Plastic donuts. Look at that. Can you see it? It's, it's, so, it's like a mini. It's designed for toddlers. Not. It looked bigger in the picture, you know, when we ordered. But there it is. Can you see that? It's a little plastic donut. It's got some strawberry frosting on there. Mine's squishy. Plastic donuts. That's the image I want to talk about today, giving. I want to talk about plastic donuts. I got the idea from a book called Plastic Donuts by Jeff Anderson. And uh, he talks about Christian giving and generosity. And this is the image that I can't shake. And it, it got me so uh, excited. It, uh, it, it was just that nudge I needed when it came to thinking about generosity. And the metaphor is very simple. He described working at home. And he was uh, typing away there on his laptop, and he noticed his 18-year-old toddler daughter. (laughs) (laughs) So many things I want to say. 18-month-old little daughter, 18-month-old, playing with uh, uh, her new um, toy kitchen, right? And she's playing chef. And he sees her out of the corner of the eye there in the living room just cooking up a storm. And She's pretending to do all the mixing and all the baking. And there, uh, after a few minutes of, of, of you know, painstaking work uh, as an 18-month-old little girl, he sees her kind of, you know, wobble over uh, to him. And she's holding a plastic donut. And she looks up with a big hopeful grin on her face and says, Daddy, gets his attention. Daddy, Daddy, yeah, Daddy, I, I made you a donut, Daddy. I made you, you, would you like a plastic donut, Daddy? Well, she didn't say plastic donut, of course, right? I mean, she's not an (laughs) 18-year-old. I made you a donut, Daddy. Do, Do you want a donut? I worked really hard. I made you this donut. Every dad in here instinctively knows exactly what to do in that moment. And that's remarkable. Not a single dad has to be told what to do in that moment. Instinctively, every dad, no, there's not a qualifying exam to be a dad. I tell my kids this all the time. There was no test for this, so I'm making it up. as I, Right? There, <laughs> you didn't have to take an essay. You didn't have to take it where the last question was, now, as a dad, hypothetically, if your eighteen month old comes up to you and offers you a donut, what will you do in that situation? Oh, I can't remember. Was it A beers? Or... Every dad knows exactly what to do. And Jeff Anderson says he did exactly what all of you would do. He smiles from ear to ear and says Oh, a donut? Oh, thank you. That's my favorite. And what do you have to do? You have to ham it up, right? What do you got to do? Nom, 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 nom. Oh, it's so good. Oh, oh, thank you, may I have another, right? How does every dad know how to do that? And she just stands there and delights in the delight of her father, delighting in her, and he's not obviously delighting in the plastic donut. It's plastic. He's not nourished by it, right? He delights in the heart of his little girl that wants to bring a smile to her father's face. That's it. You can make a sermon on giving as complicated as you want it to be. You can do a deep dive into the Old Testament commands on the law. You can, you can talk about the 2,000 places in the Bible where the word giving or some form of gift is used. You can talk about of those how 1,400 times it's used as a free will offering. You can talk about the 550 times where it's a mixed offering. It's commanded but you can't tell it's also free will. You can talk about the 50 times where the tithe is brought up and then you can do a deep dive into the Old Testament concept of tithe which means tenth, giving a tenth and you realize the tithe was brought three times a year and if you were a landowner it actually ended up being about 23% of income and then you can start looking down and asking well is that does that old commandment law apply to new covenant christians and if the tithe applies do you tithe on the net or the gross and you can grab a spreadsheet and a calculator and you can look down and miss the point when you have a chance to look up and see your heavenly father smile at a kid's heart of generosity you can make it a lot more complicated than it has to be it's really as simple as plastic donuts so that's what I came to tell you about today, plastic donuts. You yeah, say, I don't know, Tom, that, uh, that, whole, uh, that whole plastic donut concept, can you expand on that? Yes, I can. Lee? It can be, it, <laughs> this, is, this is an expanded plastic donut. Um, I gave the 8 a.m. strawberry. You guys want stra- chocolate? I'll give you guys chocolate. It says it's illegal. <laughs> I'm free from the law. There it is. This is gonna be our image. Plastic donuts, y'all. There's a place in scripture where the children of God got this right. There's plenty of places you could go to where people get this wrong. But here's one where we got it right. Will you turn, will you meet me in First Chronicles chapter 29? And I'll give you the context while you turn there. First Chronicles 29. But listen, if you get lost along the way. This is the image, this is the metaphor, that your giving can bring delight to your heavenly Father. Listen, as you're turning to 1 Chronicles 29, if you walk out of here with one and only one concept, if you're like, look, I'm only gonna walk out of here with one thing, Plastic donuts, man, your giving can bring delight to your heavenly father. Now, let me clear some things up. Don't worry, don't, don't worry about writing these down. We'll, we'll circle back to them. But let me be Captain Obvious for a second. Let me say some things that are obvious because you'll see when it comes to giving, they are absolutely obvious, and yet somehow we miss them. Let me say some obvious things. In the, in the story of the little toddler bringing the plastic donut, the gift of the donut did not make her his child (laughs) the donut did not purchase uh, adoption as her little girl you understand the relationship was already there he was already her kid that's the only reason giving makes sense Uh, uh, also so that's obvious that's obvious you'll see why that's not so obvious all the time but that's obvious here's another thing that's obvious the dad in no way was nourished by the donut and technically the dad probably paid for the the donut was already his asset You, you get what i'm saying isn't it a funny moment uh, as parents, isn't it a funny moment the first time your kid starts to understand gift giving and around Christmas time they're like, dad, dad, can I have some money? I'm going to buy you a nice gift. You're like, listen, cousin Eddie, it's, it's, it, <laughs> I know you want to get me something real nice, but it's, it's my, so a good friend of mine, C.S. Lewis, he, he riffs on this concept about giving gifts to God and he says, because everything is God's already, how can you talk about a Christian giving to God? He says it's like a, when a little child wants to buy a gift for the father and asks for six pence to go buy the father a gift. He says the father is delighted and he gives it, but technically he's six pence, none the richer, which a band is actually named after that line in Lewis's book. He, he's not any richer. It's already his. You understand? And yet, it is possible to bring delight to the Father with that gift of a toy donut. And in the end, what makes it so special is it wasn't a command. It wasn't, listen, he didn't say, go bring me that plastic donut right now. Step to it. What made the gift so beautiful is she could have brought anything or nothing at all because she freely chose to bring the donut because she freely chose. You say, Tom, that stuff is obvious, is it? When it comes to giving, is it? Why, when you hear like preachers talking about stewardship or giving, if you're like me, you go, ooh, or ick, or, ah. Uh, instead, why, why, doesn't my, my, why, does, why doesn't my heart immediately smile and go, I love it when they talk about how I can bring delight to my heavenly father. Why didn't my heart naturally go there? Well, let's, let's look at this. Here is where they, the, 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 the children of God get it right. Okay, so, so let me set the stage. David, King David, ancient king of Israel, King David wants to do one thing. His dream is to build a temple for God. And God says, no. Not allowed to do it. He, for one thing, corrects him. He's like, you're going to build me a house as if I need a house? (laughs) Hello, I'm God. He says, So, in fact, I I love your heart that you're going to build me a house. But the fact is, you're not going to build me a house, David. I'm going to build you a house. What he means is I'm going to give you a a lineage of thrones that's going to last forever, right? So, I'm going to build your royal house, your dynasty. So, it's not what you can bring to me. It's what I can give to you. Now, your son Solomon, David's son Solomon, was allowed to build the temple. They call it the palace of the Lord or the house of the Lord. He's talking about the the temple. And so, David wasn't allowed to build the temple. He was a man of, of, of bloodshed, of war but he was allowed to do the capital campaign he was allowed to do the fundraising to set solomon up for success so they do this capital campaign the people have gathered they've prepared their gifts david has prepared his gifts and to say the capital campaign went well is an understatement it went exceedingly well and it's beautiful first chronicles 29 1 and david the king said to all the assembly solomon my son whom alone god has chosen is young and inexperienced solomon's like hey (laughs) but it's true and the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. So he said, okay, this is going to be a temple. It's isn't just like for a king. So he talked, David first talks about what he himself is going to give, and he leads by example. So, I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. The gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze. The iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood. Besides great, great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony, colored stones, and all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God, 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house and for all the work to be done by craftsmen. Gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver. He has a great amount, and so he says, I freely give. He didn't have to. This was not a tax. This wasn't something that was ordered. He gives it freely. So he asked the people, and what will you freely bring? Look how he words it. Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? Watch how many times free will, willing, cheerful, joyful is brought up. So, so, so what have you prepared to give? He asked the people. Then the leaders of the father's houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, eighteen talents of bronze. And, uh, excuse me, 18,000 talents of bronze. <laughs> 18 months, 18 years, 18,000 talents. You know what I mean. And 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they'd given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Look at the freedom and the joy. The people are looking at God and they're rejoicing. Nobody's like, oh man, it's an offering. Oh, here we are. We're probably in 1 Chronicles somewhere around twenty nine. And it's an offering, and I, you know, the, you know, what's his name, the, the Gershonite, you know, here, Jehiel, and he's like, I gave online, you know, like, no, they're thrilled, they're rejoicing, why? Because plastic donuts, man, they're getting it right, they're looking at the delight they bring to the Heavenly Father, King David is looking at the delight of the people, the people are delighting because it's freely given all under the glory of God, like a little toddler watching dad, nom, 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 on the pla- plastic donut, delighting. You could just see that toddler rocking back and forth, delighting that she has somehow brought a smile to her heavenly father's face. That's what it looks like. And then he prays. Look at the freedom and the joy. He prays. That freedom and that joy, Isn't that, could that be that that is just on the other side of your yes to generosity? Look, look, look. David prays what must be one of the most self-aware, <laughs> self-awareness is in short supply, Self aware prayers in all of history. Here's what he prays. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. He's saying this is all about you, God. This isn't any glory to us. Why? Because it's all yours already. Now, do you remember earlier? When I said that there are some very obvious things that need to be stated when that little girl gave Jeff Anderson, when that little toddler gave her daddy this plastic donut. I said there's some obvious things that need to be stated. Uh, those obvious things now need to be our points. And I thought instead of making them five points about plastic donuts, I could eat a donut in five bites. I could eat this one in one bite. Uh, but if it took me five bites, I'm going to give you five bites about plastic donuts. You ready to jot these down? And th- th- They should be obvious, but when it comes to giving, they need to be said. Here's the first one You don't give to earn your right to be God's child. You give because you're already God's child. That may seem obvious, but that needs to be said. You do not earn your status through giving to God your plastic donuts. Plastic donuts representing your tithes and your offering and, 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 and giving to the church. You, you, you don't do that to somehow become God's child. I told you it was obvious and you say, Tom, that, that, that may be obvious. But you gotta understand, I, I'm imagining the worst. Maybe I shouldn't, <laughs> but I'm imagining the worst. And I'm imagining somebody coming here longing to be in relationship with their heavenly father. They don't yet have a relationship with God, and they're longing, and I, my fear is Satan would twist what they're hearing and make them completely misunderstand, and they would walk out of here, and they would think that somehow their gift is how they become God's child. You need to hear me. When, when I talk about stewardship, when I talk about giving, I'm talking about for those who are God's children, for those who are already in relationship to, with their Heavenly Father. If you're here and you don't yet have a relationship with your Heavenly Father, you've got to hear me Clearly. You don't give to get a relationship with God. The gospel is you get a relationship with God because he has already given. He gives to you. Your job is to receive. Humble yourself and receive his grace. It's freely offered. It's for you today. So the only, the only you, you, you don't earn your way to God. You don't give your money. You don't serve your way to God. You receive his grace. Just ask him, Lord, let me be your child. You become my heavenly father today. He will receive you today because God saves sinners. Now, now, now. now. Look, look at these Look at these phrases. He's already in relationship with God. You, you, what could you bring to God anyway? The old hymn says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Look at how David says it. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. This is not some unknown deity. He's the God of Jacob. He, he, we know him. Or look at verse thirteen. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. David and the people are giving generously because they're already in relationship with their heavenly Father. Uh, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I want to make sure everybody gets this. Can you imagine? Go back to the little uh, the little girl who gives the plastic donut. Can you imagine if she gives the plastic donut? Did, did you like it, Dad? Oh, I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. Can I be your child now? You'd be like, that's twisted. <laughs> we need to have a long talk. <laughs> that's really disturbing that you would even ask that, right? That's what it feels like when somebody who doesn't know the gospel somehow thinks that they can give their way or, or, or do enough good deeds or somehow earn their way into God's favor. No, he adopts you into his family freely by his grace. To think for one minute that your plastic donuts, your money or your time or your good deeds could somehow buy God's favor belittles God and it's a perversion of the gospel. And the reason couldn't be more obvious. Look what David says. But who am I? And what is my people? That we should be able thus to offer willingly. <laughs> See, he gets it. He's saying it, it's a privilege that we can even bring you tithes and offerings for all things come from you and of your own have we given you, it's already yours, God. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. In other words, listen, it's all over so quick. The best use of my life is to spend it for something that outlasts life. And God has given me a chance to invest in something that goes way beyond the little microscopic story of Tom and instead becomes part of the story of God. He's going, that's a privilege. He recognizes it. That's why I say this is a self-aware prayer. Well, Our days on earth are like a shadow. There is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. The reason God cannot be bought is simple. He doesn't need what we have. He owns everything already. So I'll give you, I'll give you plastic donut bites two and three. I'll, uh, 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 I'll, I'll give them together. How's that? The first was you give because you're already God's child. The second and third are God doesn't need my plastic donuts. And God technically already owns my plastic donuts. <laughs> he owns everything I have. It's his. All of heaven and earth. Psalm 24 verse 1. The entire earth is the Lord's. The world and everything in it. It's all God's. That truth that God owns everything is foundational. Before you can talk about really giving, that, 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 that's why. Like, if you look at like the last chapter in the Old Testament, Malachi has this interesting passage on tithing about how you're, you're bringing the tithes to God's house. It, it doesn't say give God the tithes, give ye all of the tithes under the storehouse. It says bring ye because you're not giving to God; you're just bringing them back to God. It's already His. Look at look carefully at David. Look at look at verses fourteen and sixteen. Look at how he says this. It's all yours. Verse fourteen: Everything comes from you. And we have given only what comes from your hand. It's already yours. The only way we can give to you is that you've first given to us. Oh, Lord, our God, all this abundance, it comes from your hand and is all your own. So the Bible, I joked earlier that there's a Christian code word for all this. I said it's stewardship, but that actually is the right word. It's a powerful word. Um, when, when it comes to Christians and their money, the Bible uses this concept called Steward. Technically, we are not the owners of our stuff. We are the steward. Steward is an old-fashioned word that means manager. We get to manage God's money. It's all his. We manage it. So what is required of stewards? That they be perfect? That they, that they wring out every drop of dollars? That, that, that they be miserly and never enjoy the good gifts of God that he's allowed us? No. What's, what's the only thing required of a steward? That they be found faithful. You just got to be trustworthy. Can God trust you what he's entrusted you with? when you start to look at that like that, when you're a steward, you go, well, technically then everything's a gift. (sighs) That breath was a gift. I didn't pay a single dime (sighs) to put breath in my lungs. It's all God's. I didn't ask to wake up this morning. It's all God's. Everything I have is God's. And Paul says, you're exactly right. First Corinthians four, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? Name anything you have that's not ultimately a gift from his hand. And if you push back and you go, no, come on. I I worked hard to get where I'm at. I earned that degree. Yeah, you probably did work hard. But who gave you the brains? Who gave you the means to go to that school? Trace it back to God. Nah, I work hard at my job. I I have have to earn every penny I've got. Nobody gives me anything I had to earn. That may be true. Who gave you the skills to do the job? Who gave you the ability? Come on, it's all God's. And that's why it's impossible to get leverage on God Um, So if I understand the idea of business negotiation, if I understand leverage correctly, and I may not, but but if I understand it correctly, when you're in a business negotiation, you want this person to move closer to your number or the terms of your contract, and they want you to move closer to yours, And, and one of the ways you move that, you need a lever to move them off their position, and the way you do that is something called leverage, and leverage means you've got something they need. And so you play it carefully, but, but wisely. You try to move them with that leverage that you've got something they need. So let me ask you, uh, h- how, do you make, how do you move God to your terms where you have a blessed and good life? How do you make the God of the universe bless you? What leverage do you get on the Almighty? Well, if I, if I do good and I do right and my kids do right and I get them in church all the time, then I'm gonna live under the Lord's blessing. He has to bless me. Whoa, whoa. You think he needs your good deeds? He's the Lord of all righteousness. Yeah, well, but I give. And if I give, he has to bless me. Oh, he doesn't need your money. He paves his streets in heaven with gold. Well, if I give him my life, bro, he owns your life. If he wants your life, take it. There's no way to get leverage on God. Here's the good news. You don't have to. You don't have to get leverage on God. You and God are not in some contractual negotiation. That's David's point. He's saying you own everything. You have all the leverage. You have given us this privilege to return that which is already yours. Now... I I may have (laughs) over-belabored that point, but you may think, well, if that's true, if God doesn't need, God is not nourished by a plastic donut any more than a human father would be. If he doesn't need that, and, and technically if he owns everything, you may think what I'm saying is, then God doesn't care or doesn't even notice when we bring him gifts and offerings. And that's simply not true. What David prays next may be surprising to many of us. He writes in verse 17, he prays, I know, my God, that you test the heart, watch this, and have pleasure in uprightness. Isn't that something? An upright heart. He's saying, in other words, a heart that knows to do the right thing and does it, that brings you pleasure. That puts a smile on your face. He's just taken up this huge offering. They didn't have to give it. It wasn't a tax. David could have. He's the king. He could have said, I demand 18,000 talents of silver and 10,000 derricks of gold. And they're like, what's a derrick? Figure it out. I don't know, but bring it in. It's a tax, and I'm the king. He didn't. What's on your heart to give? And they gave. And he says, here's the thing. God sees the heart, and that gift of those children of God put a smile on the face of their heavenly father. He says, in the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have senior people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. This is it, like a toddler with a plastic donut, he's saying, we're bringing joy to our heavenly father. It's not the, it's not the gift, it's the heart. So that's the fourth bite, you got it? You, you give because you're already God's child. He doesn't need your plastic donuts. He owns your plastic donut. But it is possible to bring delight light to God through my plastic donuts. I mean, d- does, that, does that change your heart? Does that touch your heart? Does that make you look at giving a little bit differently? Too many times when we think about giving, I find I look down. I either look down at my budget or I look down at my giving record or I look horizontally at all the good things charitable giving can do. But plastic donuts is teaching me I need to look up. The ultimate heart of giving is just that. It's the heart of giving. That I can bring delight to my heavenly Father? I mean, that's what David says, isn't it? It's right there in the Bible. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. Well, one final question. You may leave here and think, okay, well, you're talking about giving, and I am. Giving to the church, that's right. I believe that uh, uh, we give to God through the local church. We bring to God a portion of what's his through the local church. Okay. A lot of people do that online. They do that through the, you know, you go to the website, you go to the app. There's little, I call them bird boxes, those little offering boxes on the way out. And uh, for anybody under 30, that's where people leave this thing called a check. Uh, it's this document. You write it. It's, anyway, it's kind of like, like uh, paper Bitcoin. Anyway. <laughs> You get the point. I'm talking about, okay, so you're, you're actually going to stand up here and talk about giving to the church, yeah. And I'll do it also without apology, and I'll tell you why. Um, I believe every word of this. And I believe the single greatest use of a human being's dollar is invested in the kingdom. There's just not a better investment you can make. And if all that's true, then you would say, well, then do you, does the amount matter? And that's my fifth bite. Let me say it like this. I, gotta be, I, 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 I went back and forth on how to word this because this may be shocking to some of you. The amount matters, but maybe not in the way you think. Let me put it like this. The amount matters. It matters because it's a free will offering. My fifth bite is the amount matters because the child gets to freely determine the amount. That's what makes it matter so much. Now stay with me the amount matters. This may be shocking to you. I know that fifth point is shocking to my mom when she watches this because I split an infinitive. (laughs) Sorry. But it's shocking to some if you grew up hearing that a Christian is required under the old covenant law of giving the tithe. Tithe is an old English word meaning tenth. And I think even under the old covenant, it was, more, it was more like 23% when you added up all the different tithes. But nonetheless, let's say for argument's sake, if you grew up hearing that, that a, a Christian is required to give 10%, I understand why you would push back and go, well, now wait a minute. god That's in God's law. That, that you, I, I have a whole sermon on how a new covenant Christian applies the old covenant law. If you want to go back to 2000... <sighs> Anyway, if you want to Google on our YouTube page, before we talk tithe, let's talk shirts. That was the title, and it was about how Leviticus 19 says, don't wear a shirt woven of two types of material. So if you're going to wear a cotton poly shirt, you better come talk to me about the tithe. Anyway, if you want to go back and hear all that, we we can do a deep dive. But here is the point for plastic donuts. The amount matters because the child gets to determine the amount. If you grew up hearing that giving 10% is absolutely required, I would just push back and ask this one question. Required for what? And if you're like, well, required for salvation? No, no, no. You could, uh, salvation is a free gift from God. You would never, correct. So required to earn God's blessing? You just said you can't get leverage on God. Well, it, it just is. Well, the fact of the matter is that I, I think giving is delighting the heart of the Father because at the end of the day, who chooses the amount? You do. The tithe is not like some weird church tax or some some god bill that you uh, pay every month, and it, it, it that there, 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 some sort of there's this obligation factor to it. The joy of First Chronicles 29 is that they determined the amount. Look, no one told David he had to give a particular amount in First Chronicles 29. No one. When Zacchaeus gets saved, remember Zacchaeus. We little man, climbed a sycamore tree, remember him? When he gets radically saved, here's what's fascinating. Nobody told him to give away half of his possessions to the poor, but it's the first thing he says, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay him back four times. Because the paying back four times is from Levitical law. But to give half my possessions to the poor, he's just freestyling at that point. He's just, here, 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 Jesus, plastic donuts. You like them? Nobody told that poor widow in the temple when she gave the two copper coins. Everybody gave these big amounts. She gave these two copper coins. Jesus says she gave the most because they gave out of all their abundance. She gave all she had to live on. Here. Plastic donuts, delighting. That widow delighted the heart of Jesus. Jesus, who was about to go to the cross, Jesus, who is watching people at the temple treasury put in coins. Some of those coins are going to be part of the pieces of silver that's the blood money that's going to send him to the cross. He's watching it, about to give everything, going, does anybody get me? Does anybody understand? And God sends that widow to drop in those two copper coins. What an encouragement to the heart of the Lord, who says, that's what I'm talking about. Nobody told her what she had to give. Nobody said you had to give it. She's not required to give that. And that's what made it so beautiful. Let me ask you, does the amount matter? Is a $1,000 gift to this church a generous gift? Answer, I have no idea. For some of you, yes, that is exceedingly generous. That is a staggering sum to give to the church. For others of you, it's a trifle. I don't know. Why? Because I can't see the heart. I don't know what's upright in the heart. Is $20 a large gift to this church? I don't know. For some of you, you wouldn't notice losing $20. You wouldn't notice if it were gone. You certainly wouldn't notice it if it was given to the church. You wouldn't notice. But for others of you, you're struggling in such a way that that would be a staggering sum. And I'm telling you, God sees that and he honors that. Is half a slice of pizza given to a homeless person a good gift is it a big gift is it an impressive gift is half a slice of pizza given away a big gift i don't know look imagine if i had 12 if i had a dozen pizzas stacked up real tall and I'm making my way down 278 in the youth group. BJ's asked me to pick up some pizzas, and I got 12 pizzas coming, and there's a homeless guy, and he says, hey, man, you got a lot of food. I sure am hungry. It's cold out here. Could you spare some pizza? I set it down, and I opened a box, and I took one piece. Then I cut it in half, and you know how when you cut a pepperoni in half, there's that big choice, like who gets the pepperoni? Those are my people that know that moment, and I cut it in half, and I give him a half and shut my pizza and walk on, you would be embarrassed by me, and you'd be right. You would say, Tom Richter, you should be ashamed of yourself. We're ashamed for you. You had 12 stacks of pizza, and you, wouldn't, you couldn't give, come on. So no, you would say, no, half a slice is not a big gift. Well, now hold on. Once I was in the Lower East Side in Manhattan, and you know that Manhattan have all those pizzerias you can just walk in and grab a slice, and uh, I saw what happened. This, this, this homeless guy was standing out there, and he inter- exchanged words with a guy going in, and the guy goes in. He comes out with a piping hot, you know, those big New York slices of pie, big, and he comes out, and he hands the homeless guy the pizza. And you know what the dude did? He called his buddy over, cut it in half, and gave all he had to eat and gave half to his friend. That's a generous gift. So I ask you again, is half a slice of pizza generous? Answer, we don't know. Why? Because to know that, you would have to know the uprightness of the heart, and there is one who did. God knows the uprightness of your heart. And that's what makes this whole thing so beautiful. God has pleasure in the uprightness of the heart. That's why, of all people, of all people to understand that man does not, God doesn't see like humans see. Of all people to understand that, humans get impressed by the amounts of, Wow, that's a lot of zeros on the end of that number. God sees the heart. Of all people to understand that, it would be King David. Because when King David got anointed king, there were all his brothers that were taller and stronger and more kingly than he. And yet when the prophet comes, he says, no, 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 no. No, he's the one because God doesn't see like man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. David never forgot that. And he understood that, and he got that absolutely right. God looks at the heart. And that listen y'all, that's why it's so deceitful. You got to be careful when it comes to giving that delights the heart of the father. Not only are amounts going to be different from other people. I am in no place to judge whether your amount is generous or not. That is between you and the Lord. You ask the Lord what's generous. You go to the Lord. You 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 and God have a long talk about that, right? I can't judge that. And here's where it's deceiving, very deceiving. Sometimes you can be self-deceived. Let me so uh, let me do it this way. For some, this is a word that is very freeing. Let me say it this way: freeing. Because for some of you, you've been walking in some legalism, and and, and, and certainly there are plenty of there's plenty of bad preaching about money. Oh, like there there have been so many with abuses. You, you know, you see these guys on TV, and they they're living this lavish lifestyle, and they're asking people to give. And you're like, what? These private jets don't fuel themselves. People give. You know, and you're like, what are you doing? You know. I don't have to answer for those guys. I don't have to talk about them. Here's why. They will answer to God. We all will. We all will. But if you've been walking in that legalism, this is freeing for you because you've been beating yourself up that you're not able to give like you want to give and the amount you think is low and what you're hearing today is, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just because you think it's low, it may be low, but it may be a massive percentage. So so hold on. (laughs) I promise you this. If the amount matters to you, it matters to God. But for others of us, this is very convicting. This is very challenging. It just is. Because for a lot of folks, as they get older, God has blessed them. Here's what happens. You become impressed with the amount you're now giving because you're comparing yourself to your 20-year-old self. That's where it gets deceptive. Because you're able to give more now, you think, oh, I've grown in generosity. But if the percent you're giving remains the same then the amount could get bigger and bigger but you're not accounting for the fact that God has just blessed you and blessed you and so it is possible it is possible as you're later in life your 40s and 50s and 60s you're you're able to actually give more you're being less generous now even though you're giving more than you were in your 20s even though you the amount was less it was a more generous gift why because you're being impressed with the amount but God looks at the heart so who determines the amount you do Plastic donut, delighting the heart of the father. In fact, Jeff Anderson, near the end of the book, he, tell, he says, are all gifts acceptable? He's like, well, yeah, when my toddler hands me that, he says uh, his teenage son, after he had published the book, Plastic Donuts Come Out, his teenage son, who's obviously has a good sense of humor, maybe a little smarter, like he gets his dad these plastic donuts, and he's like, here, Dad, I know these mean so much to you. This is my gift to you. He took them, he threw them back at the kid, you know. Because for a teenage boy who has a job who can afford more than I made you donut, right? Um, that's a good, that's really a good, and that's pretty helpful to say, well, no, no, the, the, the amount matters, but you determine the amount. Well, I wouldn't, uh, the, 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 the passage ends with. Um, with David praying a prayer. You know, we, we, we could talk about tithing. Um, I do not believe in the New Testament. That, that Tithing is a New Testament obligation for Christians. If you want to talk about percentages, I think you talk about 100%. It's all God's. Uh, there, there is a reason why many Christians take 10% as a starting place when they talk about percentage giving, but that's a, a deeper dive for another time. Uh, I want to close with this uh, with this prayer that David prays for you. Look at verse 18. Did you know you were prayed for thousands of years ago? David, at this, at this dedication of the offering, he prays for you. He says, "O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, our fathers. Remember, people are so joy about giving. They're so fired up about bringing a smile to the heart of their heavenly father that he says, I wish they were always like this. Keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. There it is, the hearts of your people. You guys, there's no way in First Chronicles 29, David and the children of Israel could have never imagined Coleman, Alabama. They couldn't have even imagined North America, right? And yet right there, is that not a prayer for you and for me? Thousands of years ago, an ancient king, he prayed for you. Are you not his people? And what does he pray? What does he pray? God, I pray for all time people would always get the percentage of income right and they would tithe and they would get out their spreadsheet and their calculator and they wouldn't miss a penny. And they would, That's not the prayer. It's not the prayer. God, I pray that they'll always be about the money. It's not even about the money. What does he pray? God, let them have this heart and direct their hearts to you. Let for all, the, for the, until you return, let your people have a heart that just wants to put a smile on their heavenly father's face with what they've been given. return to God. That's the heart of generosity. Musicians are going to come. Brandon will come and lead us in a time of response. You know, David gave silver and gold for the temple, but you know that there was one that this points to. David was a shadow of the one to come, the true and better son of David who would come generations later. According to 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, Jesus came, and when Jesus came, he redeemed you, not with silver and gold, but with what? with the priceless blood of the lamb, spotless and without blemish. you redeem redeemed, not with perishable things, but with the blood of the lamb. Why? So he could direct your heart to God. There is a way to know. There's a way to do like a little heart check here, um, I think. And here's how to think about it. If you know you're on the right track with this, there are lots of ways to put a smile on God's face. There's a lot of ways to bring delight to your heavenly father. singing, singing. God inhabits the praise of his people. Obedience. He doesn't just want a bunch of sacrifices. He wants people that obey. Okay, so if I said to you, if I said to you, hey, guys, you may never again, you may never again sing another song to God. You can sing secular music. You can sing love songs to your spouse or whatever, but you uh, can never again open your mouth and sing how great thou art. You can never sing Amazing Grace, Jesus Loves Me. None of it, it's all off limits. You can never again sing praise to God. You would say to me, don't deny me that. Don't deny me that opportunity. Why would you even say that? And I said to you, what if I said to you, dude, because you don't have to sing songs to God to be saved. You don't have to do that to be saved he's going to save you already you would say it's not about being saved man i am saved and i want to express my love to my heavenly father why would you deny me it's about my heart expressing through song okay fine but you can only do 10 percent of the songs you wanted to sing say <laughs> what do you No, i'm gonna let my heart express my love to god through singing okay what about obedience you some of you this is gonna hit you the singing thing you're like yeah, i could do without it <laughs> but some of you you're helpers you know who you are you are helpers Right now, you're thinking, I, here's how I would help him in this sermon. <laughs> you're helpers. And if I said to you, you can never again do a random act of kindness. You know who you are. You're the envelope of cash in the mailbox when they need help, and you don't put a name on it. You're the, ooh, there's somebody on the side of the road, right? I, I can't wait to help. You can, here you go. You can never again do a random act of kindness. You can only do an act of kindness when you can be completely repaid. You, you have to have a, a, an ulterior motive, and you can never again do a random act of kindness. You would say, No! Don't deny me that. I love helping people. It's how, I would say, hey, well, you don't have to help people to be saved. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I am saved and God has blessed me and I want to help others with ran- I'm sorry, you can't do it. You would say, don't deny me that expression. Giving is no different. And here's how you know if you're on the right track. If I said to you, you can never again give a dime. You can never again give a penny to your local church. If your first thought is, whew, I get all the blessings of God and now I don't have to give a thing you are in a contractual relationship with god wherein he dispenses the blessings and you're trying as a consumer to get the lowest cost per blessing benefit and it's god's gonna have to do some heart work on that but if just then when i said even imagining the thought of you never again being able to give to your local church if your heart went don't deny me that don't deny me that that's an expression of my heart don't deny me that that's it!" And I said, yeah, but you don't have to do it to be saved. It's not about doing it to earn anything. It is an expression of love that I want to put a smile on my father's face like a kid with a plastic donut. I would say your heart is right where it needs to be. And there's so many of you that I know that's right where your heart is. And to think, who are we, God, to think that you would be pleased by the gifts that you already own? Let's pray. Oh, God, grant us hearts like David prayed. Let that prayer be true for us. God, let it be true for us. Let us be the people with hearts that are filled with generosity. God, I pray if we need to uh, apply this, if we need to go home and have a long, hard look at giving or we need to update our our online giving or all those mechanisms or however that works, God, I, I pray we'd be willing to do it, not just be hearers of the word, but doers. But I pray, God, we would not do it looking down at the book so much as looking up at your smile. And thank you for the simple joy of giving. And grant that that joy uh, becomes to us a great strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?